We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, we got a lot of main event talk. Guys, guys standing number two overall in the main event standings right now. Marlins talk. Ellie De La Cruz talks. All sorts of fab talk. Coming up next here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Batflip, our new sponsor. Thank you for sponsoring us. I'm here with Mike Curlin, who you can find at Gaining the Edge. You can find him on the athletic and on fantasy pros. You can also find him way at the top of the main event standings in the NFBC. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's always a good time to come on here and uh, talk shop and have a little fun in the process. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, it always is. Uh, so we got to talk LA daily cruise. Cause this is an, this is always an LA cast. Um, fun, fun day yesterday, 115 mile an hour home run. 458 happy feet, almost out into the river in the Ohio River there, off of Noah Syndergaard. Then had a, the fastest triple of the season right after that there, demonstrating both of those uh, aspects of his game, which make him so much fun. Oh, absolutely. And it's like every bit of O'Neill Cruz feeling, you know, it's that. Oh, goodness. Yancey, sorry. I saw the comment. Oh, yeah. Every yep, bit yep. of. <laughs> Hi, Yancey. Every bit of uh, every bit of O'Neill Cruz vibes you know the the big power the big speed the just the the stature it just the left's the lefty it, it feels like the comp is it just feels like the comp was made naturally and these are both very young exciting players in the same division mm -hmm. so it'll be a lot of fun to watch those two compete for, for what should be years on end you know uh, depending, i don't know if either team's ever going to extend their guy pro appropriately but that's another talk for another day i guess yeah it is um say theoretically your name is jeff and you have the hammer in one of your main event leagues um are you using that hammer on Ellie? Do you, uh, is, is this a max bid thing situation here where say you've got, you'll have, you'll be left with $75 left in fab. If you, if you use the max, would you do it there to make sure you got LA daily cruise? Or would you try to gain the system a little bit? Try to say, go like second place minus 10 or anything. Like that? How would you handle the bidding on him? It's, it's tough. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that you treat with like, if you have enough for one last big bid and not keep you completely empty the rest of the season, because we still have like, like low, we have about three and a half plus a little over three and a half months left. Right. So you don't want to leave yourself completely barren, but I mean, I'm down to two forty after getting Royce Lewis last week. And even I'm bidding aggressively to a point. I won't get him. 
I'm, I'm very aware of that, but I, even I'm still trying. So uh, it's just one of those things where I'm going to, I mean, if I have the hammer, I'm probably, this is, this is one of those guys where you're getting an everyday player batting in the middle of the order. Um, no platoon issues, huge upside and ceiling. Yeah. The floor is the fact that he's a rookie with strikeout issues in the minors, but you can't, it's the other stuff trumps that at this point in the year. Cause you won't find this type of player. It's, this isn't the type of player you're finding every week off the waiver wire. Like you at the beginning of the year where you find kind of like everyday guys off the waiver wire for a couple of weeks and they go, this is one of those few opportunities to really get that difference maker or potential difference maker. So this is that type of place where you make that move. I do think I, I would personally would like to at least have a hundred dollars at the end of the day entering the uh, next few weeks. Cause then you can kind of get into those dollar day bids that, you know, one to three, to $5 range and kind of grind your way through up until probably, you know, mid to late July at that point. But you have to be comfortable doing so like and also it's very league specific i look at fab like you can you know what the market's going to do but you also mm-hmm. have to really look into the history of what your league's done to this point you know who's been very aggressive who hasn't and then you compare that with who has that money left who doesn't and then you can look at their like bid history because you can be like well okay this person's won these bids what's their average bid what are they like how high are they willing to go what's like where are they usually at and you can kind of get an idea of who's going to bid what based on that assuming that track record sticks because that's usually we, that's what we do in fantasy baseball or baseball. You take a look at stats. You try to track trends. You can just I do, I do that's how I treat my fab in my in my league. So I look at um, I just I kind of take all this into account, knowing the market's going to be high on them. It's there's no hiding it. Everyone's going to be in. But you got to look. At, I just think you take the time to really look deep into what your t- your league has done to this point, and then assess the situation. You don't want to leave. Your, like, yeah, he's a difference maker. But if he flops or gets injured, then you leave yourself crippled, which is at risk with any big ad, of course. But I don't know. I think there's a way to maximize it to the best of your ability. It's just, but it's, you might, maybe, maybe you do this whole process and then maybe add 10% to that thinking, okay, well, this should be safe, but let me, let me, let me add that 10% on top of what I think should be a good bid to really give a full, like a really good effort. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're leaving yourself with a few bucks uh, with so much time left, there's still gonna be other call-ups. There's, I mean, maybe not to this effect, but there's still gonna be other injuries and other stuff you got to be able to fill in for you don't want to leave yourself not being able to do that because of uh, just hard chasing one player yeah this league has seen plenty of 300 dollars bids uh, already uh and the, you know and this season i feel like this is true in almost a lot almost all of my main event leagues in leagues is people are spending in this league i'm the only team that has slightly more than half of his budget his or her budget to be uh from the start of the season i'm at like 550 second place is 458 uh, so that it, we're we're in the first week of June, and the leagues used up more than half their fab. That's amazing. That's a great yeah. league. I I feel like that's a sign of a really good league when everybody has been that aggressive so far to begin with. There, same thing is true in Scarf. Uh, same thing. You know, it's a lot of my leagues are like that this year. I feel like bidding has been high this year in my leagues all across the board. I feel I think it's because every it's instead of it being a Fabapalooza, it's been a weekly. There's been a name every week to go after, which leaves almost plenty for everyone to target. Now, obviously, if you target the right ones versus the wrong ones, that's a whole other discussion. And obviously how it rolls, how it falls out. But at the end of the day, every week there was like what there was a pitcher every single week from like week three on. It feels like yeah, there was a, right. we had and then we had and then when there wasn't a pitcher, there was a we had the occasional Matt Mervis come up. We had the occasional um, uh, Morell came up and if he wasn't already stashed or dropped by certain people um he was right. a big ad uh or or stash and so there was like we've had sporadic hitters but because we've had just enough hitters to fill the gaps between all these major these big pitching uh additions there's always been somebody garnering a rather large uh, amount of fab every week so i think that's what it is it's just that this year there's more of it but then i think you're going to see it next year adapt where people are going to be like all right well look at these teams who are really aggressive they're going to start stashing these players off you know 
from the start of the season. So maybe it'll go back to being more of a Fabapalooza type of thing where people, because people are going to be a little more aggressive in their in their stashing, I, I think, heading into next year, considering what we saw this year. And it could end up being, who knows? I mean, you never know with these teams. This year, there was a lot of players ready to come up. Injuries helped uh, push a lot of that up too. But it's one of those things where we're going to adapt to it because we have to. That's just what we do. And then we're going to, we'll see next year how, if it's still the same thing or if we're ahead of the market now because we're forced to be realizing how things tend to fall, fell out this year, I should say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see that. I mean, we have two pitchers this week that I think are going to be very interesting too. And that's Andrew Abbott and AJ Smith Schauber there. Uh, there might be a discount on those two pitchers because everyone's focusing on Ellie. Maybe I feel like pitching is still such a need that there is no sneaking those guys by. It may be like, especially after Strider on the same exact team, having the same exact role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then obviously we'll see what he does in his start. Cause yeah, he does have a start coming up, but uh, we will. It is what it is. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to be cheaper. I, I do think he's going to be cheaper than Abbott by a long shot, by, by a large margin, but I don't think there's that discount you would have hoped to have gotten. Like maybe he was, he would have been 30 or $40 if he'd if had, he been like a reliever for multiple weeks. The fact that he went straight from like one, one relief appearance to, Oh, you're starting next. And they sent down Soroka to make room for you. That kind of takes away the whole getting him kind of cheap on specking, you know, right, it goes right, right. It goes right into now he's probably a 60 to $80 ad on the low end. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it is what it is. If uh, he had made that re- relief appearance on Saturday instead of Sunday last week, a lot of people would have been, you know, trying to grab him then and there. I know James Anderson was lamenting that when he was on <laughs> us uh, with us on Sirius XM on Tuesday, uh, talking about how, yeah, he, he probably could have got him for 50 bucks. Now probably can't. Um, we'll see about that there. Uh, you said you got Royce Lewis and a play. Uh, did you get, you got Royce Lewis last week, right? Yes. I, yeah, he was, he was not, I don't think he was stashed or was he stashing any, I think he was available in all main events last week because yeah. of, you know, he was injured. There was a long-term, I mean, stashing him for what two and a half, oh, sorry, about three, a little over three months or two, where we at two and a half months, give or take. That's a long yeah. stash. So yeah, I don't think, I think that was the right choice not to stash him type of thing, but yeah, I got him last week. That was my last uh, big average like, price in there was two fourteen, I believe, in the in the fifty three mains. What did you get him for? Um, one fifty eight to one fifty six. That's gross. I got yeah, I got him. Well, there was a I think there was a sixty eight dollar win. So there was. <laughs> I, got, I I think I was the twelfth lowest. So I did. It was kind of a gift, all things considered, but and below market price but there was a lot of like i think there was four double digit wins like that's wild to think that royce lewis was i think the injury that injury that happened late set like the potential injury the landing on his neck awkwardly yes that's that's what that's what drove prices down more than likely and he did miss a game uh for what it's worth too uh but you know i i think it it, i kind of view him as like the 1a to ellie's one in terms of like that and and some people might even flip reverse that order he might be a more polished hitter than ellie at this point in time I think Ellie has the same loud tools, maybe louder. Uh, but the difference is, is, I think Ellie. First off, we mentioned the home ballpark is great, way better. Yes. Then you have you have the lineup spot. Looks like he's already he's already vaulted into into the four spot. Whereas Lewis has bounced around. I think Lewis is, he's batting he batted seventh yesterday. Whereas I think versus lefties he might move up, but it's still one of those things where that lineup spot isn't as good for him. And I don't know. And we know the Twins haven't really been aggressive on the base pass with the Reds being one of the most aggressive teams of late on the base pass. Yeah. So you have that uh, mix of philosophy in terms of team. So I feel like Lewis might be a little safer tools being very similar, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there is a higher ceiling, at least this year for Ellie, given this, just 
again, just give him the ballpark and the willingness for that team to allow him to run and his speed being elite at this point too. Yeah. Lewis, uh, you know, uh, you know, and yeah, you're right. He has bounced all over the place, but there might not be any twins left to bat in front of him. <laughs> if this keeps up every That's day, fair. it seems like there's an injury with the the twins. It's crazy how injured there is. You go to their depth charge page and it's just a sea of red right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mess. And even with all that, Edward, Edward Julian can't even hold a spot down because I know. they refuse to DH him. I guess they don't want to DH him, but then the only spot they'll play him is second base. But Polanco's one of the only few ones healthy is Polanco just came back. And that's what's holding Julian back. And it's like Julian's getting that Alvarez, uh, Jared Duran treatment of like last few years where they come up, go down, come up, come go down. And then maybe next year's the year we should be in on them after like maybe a full offseason season. He'll, he'll start off kind of low in drafts, creep his way up, but we might have been a year early on Julian considering the usage of how they're so frequently just bringing him up, putting him back down type of thing. I mean, they're chock full of guys like that. Larnick's been up and down. Kirilov's been up and down. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of wild to see that. But yeah, they do have uh, Polanco back. Buxton, shockingly, is on the IL. Not shockingly, unfortunately. That was a fluke. No, it's not fair. He got Total hit in the ribs with he a got baseball. got drilled in the ribs. Yep, I understand. That's. I mean, but yes, we understand the risk with him. Absolutely. It's just one of those things where, um, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, like the one time he's actually staying healthy, they're DHing him to baby him. You know, they're doing what the White Sox should be doing with Eloy, essentially. But they, yep. but they're not. But the White Sox aren't because they're the White Sox apparently. And um, so they're they're doing they're going, like they're reminding me of the Rockies sometimes the way they're making some of these decisions. But that's another discussion. Uh, but yeah, Buxton, it's I, I get it. The injury risk is always there with him but they were actually treating him as a strict dh keeping him out of the field so he couldn't get risk getting hurt and he gets hurt by hit by pitch that's just unfair <laughs> like come on yeah exactly although in reverse fairness he's also had a lot of nagging day-to-day stuff too with the quad and things yeah. like that before that there as so soon as he started running again on the base of path. course every time he <laughs> runs he gets you know and then he has to rest for a week after that there but uh they because they, they had the governor switch on him last year and i thought they were going to do the same this year kind of like the angels and trout for that matter Trout can Trout's still fast. He just chooses not to run. And it's probably smart given his recent issues with what like one time it was like a hand. I know he's had a couple leg issues. So as he gets older, but that bat, he's so good as he he's still elite as a four category producer. So if Trout can prove health, he'll still be a probably an early second round pick, even late first, like right around where Freeman was going. But Freeman's running. So maybe for you know mm-hmm. where Freeman was going uh this year, Trout will probably still hover around i mean trout, trout wasn't really much farther than that i don't think he's going to lose any spots but yeah the running is done with him which is unfortunate for fantasy purposes but to keep some healthy it makes him that fringe first round pick again yeah. i love how trout had a stolen base in the wbc and doesn't have it in mlb thanks guys appreciate you there where it uh, matters yeah i guess <laughs> i guess or it's just you know usa would allow him to run but the angels won't maybe that's it but maybe maybe he's under a strict prohibition i mean he did hurt himself sliding at second so i get it yeah, that's 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 why it's like, yeah, I, I'd rather not run if I mean, I don't mind. I don't have him on the team. So if he wants to be aggressive, <laughs> by all means, at this have point, have at it, huh? Yeah, all right. that's so funny. <laughs> um, we got some uh, injury news. Uh, Yandy Diaz is going to be uh, not playing in today's game against the Twins, dealing the minor hip issue. He's actually available off the bench. Um, he's been this is two days in a row where he's not in the lineup. Thing, good thing about the, the Rays, though, is oh, let's just have Luke Rayleigh at first. We're fine. Who'd have thought Luke Rayleigh was going to do that? I mean, I know the Rays do this every year right now, it seems like, but they, they, they got, they're getting the best out of Luke Rayleigh. And yeah, it's a strict platoon and all that. But I just, I have this, and, and on top of it being a strict platoon for Rayleigh, the Rays have done things like, oh, they're playing six righties, but he'll start four out of six or five out of six. So it's not even like he's getting every single, I mean, he will when he runs hot like this. Usually he'll play every day, but uh-huh. it's one of those things where Rayleigh's just, it's frustrating. But at the same time, we, 
for years and we still need to maximize plate appearances but it's becoming so much more uh it's becoming so much more uh common place to have these uh to deal with these platoons and all that that we really should be not only turning and burning a few few final roster spots but you gotta be you gotta be okay with it like some of these guys are in such strict platoons that they're getting pinch hit for mid game coming in when lefties are starting it's getting really really bad and obviously you want to limit your exposure to players like that when you have a player like luke Rayleigh. Why would you? I mean, you, you would sit him if he had, like, say, Monday through Thursday, two out of three are lefties. I get that you sit him, but two out of three are righties. Yeah, you want to get the guy who might get that third game, but guys are also resting so regularly these days that you're not even guaranteed those three games. So it's like, should we start shifting more of a, like, you have a quick, you have a close, uh, close decision to make. Should we start shifting towards the guy who's producing, even though he might be a little more limited on the potential for plate appearances compared to a guy that might get you that third game, but the quality of production might not be there. Like say like Owen Miller right now, who's running, who was running hot, but starting to slow down. He's mm-hmm. playing almost every day, but do you really want to take three games with him against a righty where he's usually better against lefties over Luke Rayleigh getting two games against a righty and knowing he'll probably pinch hit the third game. That's I honestly think I, I know me, I'd probably still take the plate appearances, but I'm not confident in that decision because of how good a Luke Rayleigh it type is even with limited play appearances and Josh Lowe, look how good he's been. You're you, you, if you were playing and he's been platooning. So how do you sit him with, even if like with the same idea, same question marks, he's been so good. How do you sit him and know you're, you're starting him knowing you're taking a plate. I lost hit. My, your audio mic for some reason here. Um, don't know if, if it's me or if it's you. So it's, uh, still talking oh. here. Um, you can hear me obviously, cause you're acting. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody else can, but that that's I, weird. Um, it might be on my end. This happened to me the other day. Uh, keep, Keep talking about uh, you know, your main event team. I will be right back. Uh, we'll talk about – I'll have you – I'll cue you up. I'll have you talk about uh, uh, you know, a little bit about the Marlins uh, going on, and we'll talk a little Luis Arias and his 403 batting average. Go. All right. So uh, Luis Arias, first off, just legitimate. Like, got to love what you're seeing here. You got – he's a, he's a hitter's hitter. Luis Arias is a guy that you're, you're going to get the play appearances. You're going to get the uh, – the play, the batting average will even, but that's the problem. It's, it's almost so empty. Unfortunately, you would think the Marlins would be more aggressive with him on the base pass, but he's, he's, he often gets up with players on actually, which is weird, but uh, yeah, he's doing okay with runs and RBI 26 and 30, not great, but not bad. It's just no power, no speed. He's so elite in one stat. He can carry you there. He has use in 15 teamers, but in 12s, even being so elite in one stat, it's hard to carry that, uh, that, the, the the zeros in in power and speed that's really difficult it's such a drag so he's very team build specific in my opinion with when it comes to arias so arias is a guy that i'm not like like i, I from real life perspective he's a he's great it was a great deal for the marlins that they have team control etc but in terms of fantasy uh viability not expecting a whole lot outside of that batting average so in shallow formats i'm not huge on luis arias but in terms of like other Marlins players, you have Jesus Sanchez crushing the ball. Uh, he's more of a weak, he's a strong side platoon bat, so you got to know that going in. But he will he's another guy that pinch hits against lefties. Doesn't necessarily come out in games against lefties, which is nice. Not guaranteed to stay in either, but it, he he hasn't really been pinch hit for a whole lot from what I've noticed. And he's hitting now middle of the lineup, and we saw how good Jesus Sanchez can be. Jesus Sanchez is an absolute. Uh, he crushes the ball. It, it's it's impressive how well. Uh, he's hitting the ball. He's barreling it up well. There are some strikeout issues for Jesus Sanchez. So Sanchez, as great as he's been, you have to understand that he still will sit. So if you get like a heavy lefty uh, schedule, you got to be mindful of, of Sanchez. Right. But 
but you're getting uh i mean the bad bit's not gonna sustain 381 but the power has been legitimate i think and we all know how legitimate the power could be for sanchez we all know the barrel right he's barreling the ball well he's hitting the ball hard he's and we've seen how well he can run in that one year it was that what was that i'm trying to the year that was that we all bought in because of how good it looked and i think sanchez is closer to that player than he was the the player last year when he was struggling so there's a happy yeah. medium here I, I think that you ride it out. Of course, when he slows down, you can bench him, but I wouldn't be dropping. I'd be trying to hold on to him for the foreseeable future right now. I saw you pick up Sanchez in Yahoo Friends and Family. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I, I dropped him. So I dropped him from our, I dropped him from my main when he went on the IL. I, I picked him back up when he came back off the IL. So I've been like, I've been holding on. I, I just I should have probably held to save the money, but I'm in I'm such a cutthroat manager. I learned that that's one thing I picked up from Phil when it came to main events. Like platoon bats and injuries if that if they combine you can kind of just cut them and i'm like yeah even though i saw the future value there i didn't risk holding on to him because it was also a hamstring we didn't know how long that was going to linger and you know hamstrings can linger uh re-aggravate so i was willing to cut ties considering that i added them right before that uh arizona series right and then he's been so good i actually meant to um i wish i realized he was available in our friends and family league because i would have added him before uh at, before he went on his yesterday was like three two for four with a home run and, a, and an rbi double or something i don't know he was he was really good yesterday or i think he was three for four but uh regardless though jesus sanchez there's a lot to like there it's kind of what we saw a couple years ago just he's putting it together i do think he's gonna be more likely to be streaky than not but while he's running hot just put him out there i mean i lost cedric mullins i gotta, gotta he's he's helping fill that void right now while mullins is out too so it's yeah like, just got pieces together, man. He's part of the piece. He's part of the piece of the puzzle while I'm trying to fill injury injuries. And, stuff. and a lot of people were bidding on Sanchez last weekend too. I mean, you, a lot of yeah. people saw that one coming. Um, so, and it's interesting, the Marlins outfield. I mean, they, they've got a lot of guys that can play daily cruises, having a great little year when they're going to get Chisholm back too. That's going to create some tension in terms of playing time. I think, well, we're already seeing Garrett Cooper kind of go by the wayside there in terms of playing time. So I yeah, think that's true. Garrett Cooper kind of hits the bench, maybe weak side platoons with um with actually sanchez probably he could probably do that because uh brian de la cruz isn't going anywhere chisholm's gonna play just about every day uh, but even chisholm we've seen him platoon at times in the past against lefties so i think it doesn't i don't think it matters i think both those guys are gonna find the way in solaire is gonna play every day but, but right now he's not healthy either he's still on the thumb thing so i think it figures itself out i i don't think i don't think the marlins are gonna stop hitting one of their best stop playing one of their best hitters but sanchez's leash might just be really short Jonathan Davis is playing every day for reference for, for the most part. So Jonathan Davis obviously goes by the wayside there, uh, but Chisholm's going to come back. And I think that it'll just be uh, obviously Davis out of the picture. And then Garrett Cooper remains more of this. Like he started three in a row at one point, but then was sat yesterday. I don't know if he's, I, have to, I don't know if I'm trying to think of the Marlins play today. I haven't finished my prep for the morning, but uh, before that he sat three in a row. So his, his playing time's already kind of been fluctuating. Right. For Cooper and, and Cooper's played three out of the four, the three out of the, uh, the three games he played, two out of three, Solaire sat for for reference. So was it was Cooper playing because Solaire was out? Uh, Yuli Gurriel's earned a larger role and has been playing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a long winded way of saying that <laughs> Cooper is probably the guy. Like, I actually had him. I dropped him two weeks ago. Uh, I dropped him. Yeah, two weeks ago when this first started, when the first playing time started dipping. And uh, he's a guy that's great when he's playing, but injuries and when he, he went on a little bit of a cold sl uh, slide that looks like he lost a little leash there. So. Um, he's hard to roster right now. Yeah, he is. I, I found myself cutting Cooper, like cutting and then adding and then cutting mm -hmm. and then adding. He's, just, he's been very frustrating <laughs> all season long. And there's certain players that are like that. Okay. Well, he's got a good schedule this week. These guys are out. You know, we had that, the, the seven games a week where they're on the road against, uh, the uh, Rockies and the angels, everybody was, uh, you know, trying to add him and other Marlins that week. That was the week that Solaire went nuts. 
Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was fun when the predictable solar uh, going nuts week actually happens. Uh, but uh, you know that, that that was he is yeah Cooper is definitely very fun to, to roster there. Um, you know, all in all, the Marlins. I mean, they're playing some good ball right now. Uh, you know, they're they're still I think second in the NL East and gaining a little bit. I don't bit. get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you play the run differential game, you know, everyone thinks, okay, it's going to, they're going to slide any moment now. I mean, they can't have this much amount of one run luck all season long, can they? But here they are. And they're now seven games over 500 with a minus 24 run differential. Yeah. They luckily, surprisingly, the way they started, because they were actually starting kind of hot to the Marlins, they had, I think, a 43, a negative 43 run differential while having a 500 record. So, yep. Maybe that speaks to how well they're playing of late because they were they were sustaining that near 500 pace, a little above, a little below, give or take, within like a negative 40 plus that run differential. So to, for them to cut it in half, basically, they're working their way up. But it's okay. So the bats are clicking. The starting pitching is there, and they always produce decent starting pitching. That bullpen is horrendous, and that's kind of the issue. Now they get puck back. That's going to help. Floros mm-hmm. hit or miss, uh, but they need to go out and get more bullpen help if they and they I don't I just don't know if they have the trade assets to do so. They don't have a whole lot in the minors right now outside outside more pitching. So we'll see how that works out for the Marlins. But I mean, with the expanded playoffs and all that, it's fun. The idea of the Reds and the Marlins competing is fun, but I almost don't. It's hard to believe you want to. I want to root for the Reds. I want to root for the Marlins. I really do. It's just yeah. one of those things where you know better. You know, <laughs> it's like, do we really want to root for them? Because all it's going to do is lead to false hope and uh dreams trust me i know that all too well <laughs> uh but yeah it's so weird to see a team with a good one run record and having a bad bullpen all at the same time that just never mm-hmm. happens uh it's usually because of the bullpen is why they're uh, doing well in one run games but this is they're just this fluky nature here too um and we'll see like w- would you recommend like you know if puck was dropped in any leagues would you go uh, would you go out, go out go out and get him assuming he's going to be the closer the rest of the way i think he's gonna be the strong side of like what's going to be a committee because I don't think puck's going to be, I think they realize they overused, they used them too much and that's what caused the injury. They mm-hmm. kind of just threw him out there every single time. And he is the best reliever on the team. He is. I still think, I still think he's going to end up, I think puck is still going to end up being the guy most of the time, but I do think floral is still going to factor enough to where he could be useful in deeper formats if you're chasing saves, but it is going to be puck that gets most of the opportunities. I just, I could see them for instance, like when he comes like now he's back, Maybe he uh, doesn't pitch every – like if they have back-to-back save ops, maybe he doesn't pitch back-to-back days right away. Or if he does, they'll give him an extra day or two off. I don't see – they'd be foolish to rush him – not only rush him back, I don't think they rush him back, but to rush him into a heavier usage considering how we saw Puck get injured with that usage. I, I'd be I'd be kind of surprised. I think I heard Mish mention something of the sorts too. Maybe it's a different person. I swear – I know I heard somebody mention something on the podcast about the potential for them to scale back his usage uh when he returns so i think he's still the main guy i would definitely want him uh rostered absolutely no doubt but i don't know if he's i don't know if it's gonna be so much like the 99 percent he was getting basically more like maybe 70 30 which is still what you want in any closer it's just one of those things where right. be mindful that like don't get upset when he doesn't get the save off because he pitched the night before and or you know two out of three or something yeah for a while it looked like dylan floro was a fun little ad and then he gave you the big blow up uh in oh. colorado he gave you another blow up last week uh it, it's you you paid dearly for those seven saves yeah and right now it's, it's so unfortunate with how ratios have been this year for like yeah. most of us that uh like oh look i have a good week of starting and there goes my reliever ruining yeah. it for me in one outing and unfortunately but that's the price you pay when you're chasing saves especially in a year where we, you know, people might have been taking it easy on saves because every year we find a handful that just, you know, oh, look, this team's doing this 50 50 committee or this team's doing this or, oh, this guy gets hurt. 
we've had what one guy get hurt in Alvarado, one guy get hurt in Fair. So two guys get hurt because Alvarado and Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. So Adam and Kimbrell, you know, were kind of big ads. And then the you saw the the Arizona Diamondback situation kind of start with Chafin, turn towards more towards Castro. Like Chafin pitched a four run lead last night, so they obviously saved Castro. So if there's a save op, I would assume Castro gets a shot tonight, but uh, today. But at the end of the day, what three scenarios this year so far? So saves have been kind of like there. Like when you most of us entered the year thinking, wait, saves are supposed to be a commodity to easily get off the waiver wire, and that hasn't really been the case in most situations. You have the Dodgers who are constantly rotating guys. Yeah. So saves haven't been what we anticipated. We anticipated certain players struggling too. On um, what's his face over in uh over in Washington? I can't think of his name because I didn't. Uh, I, wasn't rostering where i refused <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. he's he's been hit and miss and even we expected him to kind of lose his spot and he hasn't so it's like what the heck is going on so yeah i understand but i think you kind of have to go shopping in these in these uh in these unfortunate waters because you're not getting the saves you expected to right away i expected by now to be multiple guys coming up and a lot of the, a lot of years i think i've heard vlad and others mention on their pods that this is like one of the first years that they can remember that there hasn't been a lot of like closer carousel slash go get this closer because you need saves because they haven't really been available. Even Hendricks was stashed for in a lot of leagues uh, heading into the season because, or added right away because of the news of him returning. Right. People were just holding out for any type of save potential. So there, that was even one less guy. So it's one of those things where it is what it is. You kind of have to eat the bad ratios if you're chasing saves right now, because that's the type of guy that you're going to end up getting. Like it wasn't fun. I have Castro on a league. It wasn't fun watching him give up that grand slam walk off grand slam. The other oh, night. to but, the Braves on Sunday. That's absolutely <laughs> but that's, right. But he's yeah. been great. He's been great. Otherwise, but it happens, you know, and it, and that's, I put myself in that position because I trusted uh, Holmes and Holmes hasn't really been, although Holmes has been very valuable because of wins and saves. It's been a, it's been like an Andrew Miller type of season. If you go look at his weekly, it's like a, yeah. a win, a save, a win, a save last week. He spiked a win and a save, but um. I've, I've need, I need saves, so I'm chasing them, and I'm uh, taking risks. Uh, if you're chasing them from bad spots, you kind of have to assume that the blow-ups are going to happen. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan, with the 456 That's... and 156, but he's gotten you 11 saves. It's just <laughs> like the like the first the first week of the year, he had that disaster disaster outing against the Rays, uh, and you're like, oh, okay, and then he had another disaster against the Diamondbacks, where uh, and then he didn't get a like pitch in a game for another week after that. And then he got like four saves in like a week after that. Yeah. So it's been really frustrating. Pierce Johnson's got like a one eight whip, but he's got most of the Rocky saves and have fun chasing Rocky saves. Good job. Good and, and then Lawrence came out in the seventh to clean up the mess, came out in the eighth, gave up some runs. So yep. Lawrence it is like everyone picked up Lawrence chasing saves and that didn't work out for them. Yes, at least as a yeah. yesterday, but obviously he's going to factor, but it's one of those things where, People are realizing, oh crap! I drafted one guy. The second guy didn't pan out, and there has been very little off the waiver wire. And it's wild that even with how little as, as there's been, Kimbrel, Castro, those guys were actually very, very like cheap compared. To, I think Kimbrel was like maybe a fifty or sixty dollar ad for a lot of people. Castro was like in the thirty to fifty range as well when he that that week that they they kind of both went the same week. And people were stashing these guys ahead of time anyway, just specking on saves. So right. it's one of those things where. It, it just no one's really believing in some of these guys that are getting the shots. And then the other thing is, is there hasn't been that like, like, oh, this guy is the closer. Now we should get some of that after the trade deadline, of course. And getting ahead of that is going to be a big deal. But it's hard to tell who's selling and who's not when you have teams like the Marlins who would be sellers, but they're not going to sell Puck. They just got them. But you have teams right. like the Reds who should be sellers. But now Diaz, I don't know how safe Diaz was initially, but maybe if Diaz was on the market, maybe he's not now. Bednar's not most likely. You would think Bednar's on the market, but they have a, a lot of team control there, I believe. So maybe there's not as much moving pieces on bad teams that we normally would get 
But like the right. Royals, for instance, they've been linked to moving multiple guys. So the Royals are probably a good place to start looking and specking and go yeah, from there. have fun with that. Good luck. Exactly. I mean, it's Taylor it's Clark, basically, if they move Barlow, because uh, presumably they're going to move Chapman, too. But we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, one area where saves may came in the league, if you drafted early, is Will Smith on the Rangers. Uh, but, you know, some people are drafting him once he got signed, too. So you had to have drafted early to kind of benefit from that. But he's had 11 saves and good ratios. So that might be one. But again, that was right away. One. And he was, <laughs> you know, good luck. If you got him, congrats. Uh, but there weren't there haven't been too many fab wins. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, before we move on, uh, I want to talk. Uh, we got to mention our sponsor, uh, Batflip. We want to thank them for their sponsorship. The team uh, Batflip, it's the team shuffling baseball card game and a gamer's love letter to baseball. Step into the role of the manager, build your team, shuffle it up, and deploy it in an action-packed three-inning game. Each of the over 140 player cards is unique with its own special stats and abilities. Each team has its own powers and strategy. Flex your financial muscles as the New York money bags. Bunt and steal your way to victory as the Sioux City small ballers. Or deliver takeout slides and headhunting pitches as the Detroit dirt bags. 12 teams in all. Batflip was designed by avid fantasy baseball players and made its pre-release debut at First Pitch Arizona in 2021. It's been played by the likes of Ron Chandler, Eno Saris, Ray Murphy, and Phil Goyette. Do you, did you grow up collecting baseball cards? Do you collect them now? Then Batflip is for you. Do you like collectible card games like Magic the Gathering or Poke, the Pokemon card game? Do you like online card games like Hearthstone or Marvel Snap? Then Batflip is for you. Batflip features fast-paced strategic card play and endless replayability. Utilize your best players and special abilities at the most pivotal moments. And then, when the time is just right, swing for the fences and flip that bat. Order your copy now at batflipgame.com. That's batflipgame.com. We are also brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Thank you for your indulgence with that. 
Uh, I'm here with Mike Curlin. You can catch Mike on uh, a couple places, gainingtheedge.com, where he's got a Patreon there. It's a super friend site, uh, really. I mean, it's it's a lot of the people that you heard on this podcast, including Casey Bubba. You've heard uh, Mike Simeone's, Simeone's on this uh, uh, with you guys as well. Uh, who am I forgetting? There's George. Oh yeah, George Montañez. I haven't had George here, but I'm in uh, I'm in scarf with George. Um, it's, he does a lot of like bullpen work for you guys there as well. Um, how's how's the uh, venture going? It's just a lot of fun to get a chance to really work with some of your closest friends, and you know we we met through this industry. We always had similar like you know we'd find ourselves DMing each other and kind of hanging out, and then we we, yeah. we met in first pitch Arizona, and that was like at the, after we all met, it was like okay, this is like this is going to work. Like this is a, and so, you know, we floated the idea to each other. We all have, our lives are busy. You know, as we've, as we get older, uh, I know like Simeone started his own business. George got married. Um, B- Bubba's uh, hanging out on the West coast, doing mm-hmm. his thing, working it hard. I'm He's over here. Yeah. Yeah. He had a kid since all this started. Yep. And then, um, or right before, and then I have my family. So it's been an ongoing, um, just like we realized coming together as much as we love fantasy sports, coming together and just putting a product together just made sense for the time. And, it's been fun. It's been, if nothing else has been fun, there's times where it's challenging, but building something together. I mean, isn't that what, what Rotowire started as was building something together with friends that absolutely took off. And sometimes I mean, that's where some of your best work will get done because you have a chance to really work with people you enjoy working with. And it's everything, you know, it's monetarily it's split four ways. It doesn't get much easier than that. You know, it's just everything's yep. like, there you go. It's and it's we keep it simple and move forward type of thing. It's, it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. And we cover we try to cover all the bases. Yeah, you get, and uh, you guys check it out. Gainingtheedge.com. Definitely uh, go look into that. There are three different levels to buy into. Um, so if you just want to dip your toe in the pool, you can go for as low as five bucks. So uh, check it out. Uh, really worth your time. Um, I, I I first like saw you when you were doing like spring training lineups. I I, I think uh, that was in trying to gain draft edges with that. You gained an edge, um, and yeah. that, that kind of launched you. Yeah. So I started on. It was twenty twenty middle of the craziness that was like everybody was getting COVID every week every lineup was like a 50 man roster it was wild you know wild time so i was like i started tweeting threads because that's when threads were popular and they still kind of are in fans football spaces but i refuse to do anymore because they're too much work because you have to because the whole watching your character count but i digress uh so yeah started off with i was just tweeting out every day noticeable lineups hey this guy's out COVID. like this guy's out hand and i would just notice this this guy's playing more and i start off with that and then it turned into okay, there's something here. People really enjoy these threads. And then spring training came around. I kind of carried the, the thought process from 2020 into spring training, realizing there's no tool for, for monitoring lineups in season or in spring training. There's no, like, can't go to fan graphs. There, I don't think, I don't think like, nobody has like this, like, Hey, look, here's our lineup tool for, for spring training. So I created one with the idea of I'll put the lineups in there. I'll insert every lineup I see for the day, but I'll also add notes at the bottom. And that turned into, well, I don't have to monitor the lineup so much like, manually in season but there's other tools that have the lineups available i can just make my own notes now i can just do the homework i'm fo- I'm following all 30 teams making mm-hmm. notes of recent playing time adjustments uh lineup changes who's platooning who's batting where if there's a platoon like for instance like i mentioned the kyle lewis or sorry the, i always call him kyle lewis because i have a soft spot for <laughs> kyle lewis but royce lewis the the fact that he moved down versus ready yesterday but if you look at I, i'm almost positive he hit like top three against a lefty not too long ago so it's like that matters because you're still trying to figure out maybe so if you're trying to do projections you could be like well on average he bats like fifth ish then you know you can kind of give them a play appearance you know you can kind of adjust your play appearances and that's another thing with like preseason stuff if you can adjust a team that's more likely to move a player up and down you can kind of come up with your own close to like a playing time projections because i know projection systems they kind of depend on one or two people to give them a number 
And if right. I can make my, if I can kind of get an edge figuring out who I think is going to gain playing time, I can plug that into my project, into like my, into my projections and my SGP sheet and kind of maybe, I don't mess with it too much, but there are a few players I feel very strongly about. And then I'll, I'll edit it and see if there's a new outcome. And sometimes they'll boost them up to where I think they should be, but sometimes it does nothing. A guy, I'm trying to think a guy like Pasquantino, I think the first, the initial play, play appearances were like 500. I was like, no, this is like a 600 play appearance guy. So I upped them and it, it jumped them up the SGP sheet, but not as much as I thought it should. It would have. So I was like, huh? So it made me recalibrate my opinion on them. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole other, that's like, that's again, that's just part of the process. But yeah. So um, in season, I'm, I'm monitoring. So it turned into spring training, just watching playing time, watching what teams have, what their tendencies are with batting orders, watching who's getting the playing time and who's batting where, just to give you an idea of maybe entering the year. That's what led me to guys like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So like that was, that was a hit, but like um, there's, there's misses too. You're not going to hit all of them, but uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was a nice little hit just seeing how they treated them compared and how they kept hitting them all spring. But so it starts there and then in season, it translates into me doing this for all 30 teams still, but now I'm, adding in stats i'm looking at last 14 last seven trying right. to get like okay who's turning around like oh well brennan was getting going so i added will brennan in the main this week for six dollars unopposed and he went through for four and he started against a lefty which was unexpected but um yeah. I, I but but then he went over four last night so i can't say it's a victory laugh but it's my, the, the, the goal here is to kind of identify who's playing well who's getting that playing time and then match that up with like next week's like schedule and who can i stream and it, so I use it for myself, but I put that information out there for others as well through the Patreon. And then I do a, well, every so often, I think it's once right now it's been like one every three weeks. So basically once a month for the athletic, I kind of do like a, I break down all 30 teams for them real quick nice. and quick, like just bullet points of like, Hey, these, these people are injured. Here's who's gaining the playing time. When these guys come back, here's most likely who's, who's going to lose it. Here's the new emerging platoons. Here's people who played themselves out of platoons. And it's just an on, like every day I'm monitoring the stuff and I it's, I do miss occasional stuff, but I'm usually pretty spot on. And I, and it's, it's like you mentioned, it all started from Twitter, it's just doing that. And it's, 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 it's turned into so much more than just who's hitting where it turned into how can I make this into a, a, not just a product, but also how can I leverage this into my own benefit? And it's, what's keeping me really in tune with pretty much all the happenings of almost all 30 teams as well, as best as I can for somebody doing it by myself. But then it gives you that edge in terms of like, all right, so, you know, this guy's doing well and and all that so it's like you can kind of try to get ahead of the waiver wire which is very helpful and so but yeah. vlad like for instance vlad does his article every week over ftn and you go look at that and i like to see where these guys put these they see if these guys list these guys because if they if they miss one it's like okay well there's my edge the, a player i like isn't on the sheet or a player i like isn't on this person's sheet and so it's like it's fun to kind of look around and see but then it makes me go back and double check a player like oh well they didn't list them is there a reason what am I right. missing? And, and right. sometimes, exactly. sometimes, sometimes I'm just higher on a guy that shouldn't be. So there is that, like it's, it works both ways. Sometimes it gives me an edge. Sometimes, all right, back up your bids a little bit. You're a little more aggressive than you should be. And Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Indeed, I like that. Um, we got uh, news. You mentioned Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's been yeah. out the last couple of days with a groin injury, but he's not going to play today because the Nats and D-backs have been postponed. They're the latest to lose a game to the smoke monster. Yeah. The smoke monster. Yeah. There's uh that's, that's been frustrating this week, but honestly, I was. I'm waiting for the the IL news. He was a unexpected zero this week, thanks to the yeah. uh, scratch on Tuesday. Had no filler. My filler that would have filled in for him played Monday, so he was locked on my bench. So yeah, and, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that filler is Ramon Laureano, who had a stolen base this week. So mm -hmm. I mean, I'm and the funny thing is you're second overall in the main event, yet you've lost Mullins. You lost Adamas, who came back the, uh, at least uh, yesterday in Homer. On my bench. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at your bench right now. You've got Brandon Woodruff on your bench. You've got you Darvish resting this week because of the Coors Field start. 
Uh, Justin Steele, who's been a great breakout, is now on the IL. You have Logan Allen, who you didn't start this week, but you picked him up. That's been a win for you. I mean, your bench is better than my the worst team ever drafted uh, is active lineup right now. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I that's I realized that's been the big difference maker, at least for me to this point, has been just the fact that I made not just making the right moves, but having that depth because I'm able to take on these injuries. Mullins, like, and my big thing is I was super sad uh, last week on Bench with Bubba where I do my weekly podcast with him talking, you know, recapping stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like, how do like how do you replace Mullins? And the answer is you don't. You piece it together. And yeah, my bench right now is a home run, a stolen base, th- a couple runs, like three for 10. It's a, But that's it is what it is. I couldn't start these guys. Loreano didn't start Monday, didn't start Tuesday, played one game. And yeah. that's why, so I start. so I took a chance of starting Brennan and the play appearances, it worked, but so far, you know, unless he gets something today for me it, and then Badu's been, he's like over, he's been, he was really good for a couple of weeks and he's been really bad, but so it's yeah. like, I made, I made these moves based on attacking play appearances. I thought Adam is, when I saw Adam is hit that home run over the weekend in his rehab, I was like, is he really going to be out till Thursday? And I, I just couldn't chance him only playing one game. So playing two games and having the home run on the bench, luckily 8% rostered or 8% started in mains this week so it wasn't like a huge i wasn't the only person to miss on it which is nice yeah. but yeah it's one of those things where you mentioned my pitching depth has been a huge been a huge benefit to me i hit i you know sunny gray braxton garrett i grabbed off the waiver wire early i stashed bayo he was my stash i was about to drop him that week that he got sent down but then he got right. pulled back up because of injury and he's been really rock solid pretty much ever since so uh louis varland although he ro- crushed me this week he uh, <laughs> it's been one of those things where like i've had I, i'm fortunate enough to have the depth to make some like i didn't want to sit allen i bet you allen goes out and shoves against houston just because he's at logan allen but right. I, I sat him because it was a tougher matchup compared to i thought i had more confidence in the louis varland two-step and he still can make it up to me but it's sure. not easy it's you not always easy. knew that this was the tougher part of the two-step there so you, yeah you know. and he did okay they not okay but he you know it was serviceable through six then they came out back out for the seventh and gave up two more earned runs without recording it out that didn't help yeah so, so but yeah louis varlin he was one of your fab wins and it's been pointed out i, I think it was was it uh was it zach that pointed out that you had like you've been the king of the close fab wins this year yeah, uh, I guess that was a thing. I didn't realize that. It was, I honestly, I didn't realize it was. I, I knew I was doing well in those, but I didn't realize it was a uh, like that. That wasn't so common to do it that often. <laughs> and I, yeah, so I, yes, I will wear a crown if I and if I if I happen to spike the overall on a single bullet injury because yeah. uh, that's lucky. That's part partial part of that's luck. But yeah, um, I well, forgot what, what, what were, who were we talking, talking about, about? Your fab wins and how you're fab so wins, great, yes. Mike. Um, I'm so great. No, it's uh, it's a but it's it's part of the process. I was mentioning earlier that I do take market value into consideration, but I, I really I do I I obsess. I obsess in an unhealthy manner, and I really go diving into my league history and really try to formulate what I think is going to be the most optimal bid. And even then, I, I've been way off on players. Like the, when I got Jesus Sanchez back on my team, I overbid on him by like fifteen bucks, and it was like nineteen to five. It wasn't like like thirty five to twenty. It was like I, I went double digits when he was a single digit uh, runner up. So and no, so like you that. didn't get that wrong though. The league got that wrong. That's the way I view that. And and maybe so because I looked at you know I, I go back. I, what I do is I look at what I did and I look at market and I'm like okay I was in the, I was like right there in the middle of the market. But like for a guy like Nolan Jones, I was I think top seven or eight in bids like i i bid heavier than most that week i was like a mm-hmm. top 
I was like in towards the top of that one. So one of those things where it's like, I try to gauge my, I have a hard time with some of these players that like are towards that bottom of like waterfalls for people. Cause some, some players in my league are a little more aggressive than others with those guys. So I bid aggressively on some, but then like this week, I really wanted Joey Weimer. Somebody dropped him before he kind of got going last week or was like in the middle of getting going the week, the, the weekend before. And so I was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. I can probably get him for cheap. If anything, you know, the way that I try, I treated that, like I treated like my Jesus Sanchez and Nolan Jones ads. I'm like, maybe people aren't really that interested in Weimer because of uh, how he, or Weimer, I'm thinking Steve Weimer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mixing those up. Uh, Weimer, but uh, so I, I bid, I didn't bid as aggressively on Weimer and I missed out. And obviously unfortunate how well he's been this week for me, but it's one of those things where sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. I just happen to get it right on three bigger names that have done really well in our breakouts for people's teams. And, it is a lot of, I really go in and I focus heavily on market. Obviously, like I said, the market, but I really look at my, my, my league trends paired with a remaining fad paired. With, and I, back when I, I nailed these, back when I uh, got these bids in and including the Royce Lewis bid, I was always, this is the first time all year I've been bottom half of my league in, in remaining fad. So I've always been towards the top mm-hmm. and I've kind of, and because of the strong start I had in pitching, I didn't want to go attacking those $300 players. And I, I, I saw Varland and I saw uh, Logan Allen as, help and and help and depth and guys that i think that could be really good but at a reduced cost so that's why i targeted those two in particular over bybee over uh insert miller here it was a um i looked at them like i knew i didn't think that they were gonna be as good as these guys but i thought they could be really valuable as mid to you know late rotation types and i thought that and then i knew that i could fit them in a budget where it's not going to break my bank while also adding usable pieces now they've been a little better than expected i can't lie but it was it was part of the strategy of like knowing knowing that these guys would go for cheaper but also seeing how my league treated certain guys these guys weren't getting that hype they didn't have that prospect pedigree i knew that they, i i mean landing on the prices i did that was very fortunate but at the end of the day it was a um it was a calculated risk in terms of trying to be cheaper and it paid off. And then that led me to, that led me to having money to go after Lewis. And then knowing my league, knowing who was left in my league and how they, and their spending habits allowed me to get Lewis kind of on the, what would be considered the cheaper end of the spectrum, all things considered too. So it worked out in this case, it won't always work out. I'm aware, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. You all, it also worked out that you had the number two over number, number two pick in your draft and you got a Cunha at one point too, uh, mm-hmm. that someone that took was nice. Who who went one in your for, in your league? Uh, I'm gonna have to look that up actually because I I don't think it was, I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't even Trey Trey because I had the choice. Oh, J Rod went first in mine actually. Okay, um, Judge went fourth, Turner third. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of fun, you know. It's I I know during draft season there wasn't this like strong consensus that Acuna was one point one initially, but as we got closer and closer to the start of the season, that's he was more often the guy going one point one. So there's a little bit of a, a tiny little gift to get him at two overall. Oh, absolutely. And looking back now, I I just I viewed him and Trey very similarly in terms of like if I don't get one, I'll take the other. Like happily, mm-hmm. like that's why. So. Of course, to go with my ongoing luck this year to this point, I got my first, I actually put number two as my first KDS and I was, and I got it. So I was like the first, they, they, like I was the first KDS filled. I got my preferred spot because I was like, cool, I'm taking whoever I want, whoever I can between Turner and Acuna who falls there. And they were both there. So I took my 1.1, which was Acuna, but I didn't think it was going to be this much of a disparity. I still think Trey Turner is going to be fine. I think he's going to turn it around. We saw him kind of have home runs the other day. So we'll, hopefully he's getting going, but 
oh not for me but hopefully for others like <laughs> you guys can root for him i don't have to but right. uh, exactly. i have but 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 turner was a guy that i considered strongly there and i was like i'm just gonna go with my guy here and i took acuna and i i looking back i'm like thank goodness but there's other guys that are like yeah if you look at projections and other sh- other stuff that uh other sheets and whatnot that it wasn't supposed to be close. And I'm like, maybe I overlooked that aspect of, cause I do, I do weigh in uh, projections now more than ever, but I still don't, it's not the Holy grail for me. It's a, it's still part of the, the puzzle. And I right. probably ignored what, what, what they were, what that was telling me because I still had Trey up there, even though I'm pretty sure judge was up there uh, with Acuna over Trey. And I just wasn't doing that. Cause I didn't trust judge. And obviously judge got injured, but even with the, even with the injury and then the, what setback earlier in the year with a little minor injury, he's been, every bit of worth the first round price tag so. for sure for sure but yeah at the end of the day acuna two ended up being um ended up being quite the quite the deal but hey i followed that up with with braxton oh not braxton garrett with uh <laughs> with brandon woodruff in the second so it wasn't like i nailed the first two rounds you know I- yeah that's the thing <laughs> even the very best teams have things that go wrong sometimes they're even egregious mistakes sometimes it's bad luck in the case of woodruff you know and that that you can, you gotta, everyone has some share of bad luck you have to overcome. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, a uh, couple other guys I want to highlight from your team that have been, I, I feel like big keys to your success. Matt Chapman is the king of the hard hit rate. Um, uh, and then Josh Young uh, has been every bit the fulfillment of the prospect that we thought he might be. And then some uh, so far this year. Yeah, so Matt Chapman, I feel like every time I watch or I look at his box score on Savant, I see like three hard hits, 0 for 3. What was going yeah. on? And so, and I'm like, maybe there's some bias there, but I'm like, I swear it's at least two hard hit, two hard hit batted balls a night. And he's like, one for three, one for four, 0 for two, like with two walks. I'm like, what, what's going on here? So I'm thinking there's some bad luck there, but Chapman was never going to be what we saw him be in March or April, mm-hmm. March, April that, that month. But I think that there's like there's a hot run in there again as long if he can find some of those gaps. And then Josh Young, it really was a matter of I think the sheets, I think the SGP sheets really liked him, but also I'm like he's in that discussion of post hype uh post hype prospect sleeper that like he's in that discussion with Josh Lowe in terms of just a guy that was like a super high thought highly thought of prospect that has this pedigree, has this upside, he's gonna play every day and He's and it show, in spring he was like batting fifth or sixth. I'm like, all right, cool. So he, he can still work his way up the lineup, and then he's obviously settled on fifth. And I'm like, I, I just love the price. And it's funny because I got really upset in the draft because I got Sean Murphy as my catcher one, and I obviously you can see I'm playing catcher two uh, roulette off the waiver wire with Miguel Amaya up there right now. But uh, mm-hmm. I was actually the the round I was targeting Jonah Heim, I got sniped by Heberlig, and then that's where I was like, well, I'll take Josh Young because those guys were kind of my one two in that space. So. It was one of those that I got sniped, and either one would have worked out for me happily. But I, honestly, looking back at it, I almost wish I got Heim just because I think it's harder to come up with a catcher two than it is to come up with a CI. But I'm right. not going to argue with the results. I mean, it worked out either way. But yeah, those two, Chapman starting off as strong as he did, and then Young keeping it going. And then Guriel super late was really nice with how he started, but now he's obviously can't. Apparently, his groin hurt out of nowhere. I have no idea. Josh Naylor yeah, was that one, one caught me off guard, too. I have him and like some draft and holds early on in the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish I had more more of Grail, but uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so be it there. Um, we got a, a couple minutes left, uh, so we'll do, hit up a couple questions real quick. Um, Disco Dave wants to know about Josh Young. Would you rather have him uh, or Nathaniel Lowe for Josh Lowe? I, I guess he wants to trade for Josh Lowe. Uh, so who, which of those two would you rather trade, Young or Nathaniel Lowe? But but, but I'm biased here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, if you want to, I think this is that, 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 I don't know if I'm even like, why, I guess if you need speed, I'm trying to think, cause I feel like these guys can all be put in the same conversation. No, like, yeah, I know Josh Lowe is really good, but he's still a platoon bat. I don't know if I want to give up a guy who's a full-time bat or a guy who's platooning, even as good as he's been. I don't know if I'm trading either one of these guys for low for Josh Lowe. And I really, I really do like Josh Lowe. I just, I know he's slowed down a lot and the playing time is always going to be a question the rest of the season. I don't know if I'm trading either for low right now. All right. Fair enough. Uh, James says, uh, thoughts on a roto league regarding a backup catch, the Rockies, Elias Diaz or exposure to the Rangers lineup with Mitch Garver. Oh, it's, that's uh, is Diaz still hitting like unbelievably well. Cause that was a thing for a little bit. Uh, Garver. I like the idea of Garver. Um, yeah. Diaz has slowed way down. He has one game with a hit over his last like six. Um, these guys are interchangeable. Uh, Diaz when he's in cores, but Garver, if you want to take, like you said, you want to taste, you want a piece of that lineup. I still think Diaz I would probably take in a vacuum, but he's not producing right now. So if you want to take a shot on Garver, go for it. But Garver, how long until he's injured again? You know what I mean? That's right. where he's there. So Diaz, if you want to bet on, I would say probably, I would just probably take Diaz, bet on cores, bet on that hot run he had, see if it comes back. He's batting in the middle of the order for the most part too. So, yeah, I mean, Diaz is doing this year what I thought he'd do last year. Yeah. So I didn't have a whole lot of them this year. I mean, it, it's pretty much a straight home road split for him. 1032 OPS at home, 620 on the road. I mean, yeah, just just use just it's still better than Garver lately. Uh yeah, so a- I mean, just stream him if you can at home. I mean, this was a great week for Diaz, obviously. Uh with you know, being at home this week. But uh yeah, it's that that's the tricky thing. And it's tough to get like full on like uh like a seven like a full home week from the Rockies. That just doesn't happen that much. It's weird. It's happened two out of the last three, but before that, it was like half week, half week, half week, half week. It was really frustrating. So this has been the first little run. I don't know how the rest of the season shakes out, but I know like this week was all at home. Last week was all on the road. The week before was all at home. And that was the first time that that had been the case this year. Cause me and I, I like going back to Bubba and I on, on his podcast, we were like frustrated that, Oh yeah, cool. We have Nolan Jones. Oh wait, we have Nolan Jones. Like we have yeah. to figure out this. We have to figure this out. Not only is he platooning, but now he's platooning and you want the core starts more than you want anything else. So it's like, right. Oh, like, and this week, cool. Six games at home. Oh, three lefties. Great. <laughs> like, Oh man. Maybe but, he'll um, come in as a pinch hitter. And he'll still that's why and I, I, I started him for the first half of the week and he went, he's gone two for eight with two stone bases and a home run. I'll take it. Even if he sits. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. So, Angelo says all the good catchers are gone. He grabbed Gary Sanchez homered. Uh, you know, he's got like four homers for the Padres, right? I now. think he's hit two this week. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I grabbed him in the uh, latest fab run for Raz slam. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. where you, know, you have two fab runs all season. And so I needed, I needed one more catcher had Campusano. I saw he, he was one of your two I loved him. catcher stabs. Loved um, him. yeah, I did too, but, uh, had, had, had to say goodbye to him. Uh, cause, basically the Padres have. Um, so there you go. Um, as far as that goes, uh, Mike, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for coming on, spending an hour with me this morning. Appreciate it. Uh, once again, tell everybody where they can find your work. I appreciate you having me on. Let me ramble for the last hour. It's always fun because <laughs> that's just what I do. Uh, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. That's usually where I'll put all the links to all my work, gaining the edge, Patreon, Patreon, which is patreon.com slash gaining the edge. And then, uh, as I'm, as, as you mentioned the athletic, but, I tweet, a, I tweet a ton of information or also tweet to celebrate my my team. So there's that. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's where you can find me. I'd say Twitter's pr- pretty much the uh, place to go. So Mike underscore Curlin is really where you'll find everything. I'll just post it all there. 
All right. Very good. All right. That's going to wrap up today's podcast. Thanks to Bat, uh, Batflip for joining us as our sponsor. Thank you guys for listening. We got two start starters with Todd and Clay tomorrow. Take care.